بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ونسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ ٹونائٹ از دا ٹویلتھ آف مارچ ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزینڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری So we pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He blesses us in our months of Sha'aban and conveys safely to the holy month of Ramadan. Amen. And the last thing I mentioned was some of the awesome virtues of the glorious deed of Salah. <coughs> so in summary, if you offer a good wudu and offer a good prayer, the Prophet wasallam said that you come out of your Salah free of sin as if on the day your mother gave birth to you. <coughs> and then I mentioned that the Prophet said that the interval between each of the obligatory prayers is an expiation for all sins as long as killing is avoided, indicating even major sins are forgiven. And then I mentioned that Allah the Almighty and Glorious, instead of correcting us by force due to the fact you are offering salah, He forgives even without correcting. And all of these are from the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. And as for those who offer one obligatory prayer and wait for the next, Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu, he relates that our beloved messenger said ﷺ, the person waiting for the next salah after having offered the present salah is then just like a person on horseback galloping with his horse in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is comfortably leaning on his hip, i.e. in the masjid, whilst in reality he is getting the reward of jihad against the enemy. Subhanallah. This is recorded in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad 2-352, Hafiz Dimiyati Rahmatullah in his Al-Majjar Al-Rabih Fi Thawab Al-Amal Al-Salih, the reward for good deeds, number 297 of the English translation. So here the Prophet mentions وسلم, one of the virtues that you stay in the masjid, you offer one obligatory prayer and you wait for the next. And your example is like a person who's galloping, charging through the ranks of the enemies in jihad. And then the Prophet clarified by saying, وسلم, you are leaning on your hip, meaning you are resting comfortably in the masjid, but you're getting the reward of jihad against the enemy. SubhanAllah. Namely, do not be fooled into thinking that such an easy deed is not much, not worth much in the sight of our loving Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. How true therefore was the analogy of our beloved messenger when he said, sallallahu alayhi wa perform the prescribed prayer, for it is the best jihad. Perform the prescribed prayer, for it is the best jihad. This is recorded in Tabarani in his Kabir 25-129, Tabarani in his Ausat 7-21, Nehlami in his Musnad al-Firdos number 3893, Ibn Abidunya in his Kitab al-Wara, page 58, Al-Isaba 8-167, Al-Haytimi in Majma al-Zawaid number 16755-6 stated, A strong chain, as in Hafiz Munviri in his Targhib 2-400. So in this authentic report, the Prophet said, it is the best of the lust jihad when you offer the prescribed prayer. So from this Sahih Hadith, we learn that the act of jihad is not exclusive to the battlefield 
and that the regular performance of salat, constantly striving to fulfill its conditions with perfection, is also a kind of jihad against the lazy and erring self, which the Prophet praised. And this is why there's a very famous hadith in the Sayyid where the Prophet was asked, what is the most beloved deed? He goes, prayer at the appointed time. And then he asked, what's next, Ya Rasulullah? He goes, Birrul Walidin. So, Hafiz ibn Hadir Askalani, Rahmatullah he said in Fatt al-Bari, that both of these are types of jihad, i.e. to offer the prayer constantly and regularly and to serve your parents. So this is why these are amongst the most exalted of deeds in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then there's the glorious deed of tahajjud, which is a source of immense mercy. In Tabarani in his Kabir, number 11,110 or volume 11, page 81, Abdullah ibn Abbas, he relates that our beloved messenger said, See goodness, I find solutions to your needs. From the ones with hisan al-wujuh, i.e. the beautiful faces. Subhanallah. See goodness, I find solutions to your needs. From the ones with hisan al-wujuh, the beautiful faces. These are no other than those who regularly offer the tahajjit. Because our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Whoever offers salah in great numbers at night, then his face begins to illuminate like the daylight. Subhanallah. Whoever offers salat in great numbers at night, then his face begins to illuminate like the daylight. This is in Qanzul Umal, number 21,394, volume 7, page 783. So here the Prophet mentioned something very interesting, that if you offer a great number of rakats at night, your face will start to shine. So the darkest faces are those who don't pray at night. You'll notice this. Those who have the brightest faces are those who offer prayer at night. But this explains the previous report. Seek a problem to your solutions from the ones with beautiful, from the ones with beautiful faces. Meaning those who offer tahajjid. Clarifying further, our beloved messenger also said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intends to do good to a person, then he uses him in order to fulfill the needs of the people. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intends to do good to a person, then he uses him in order to fulfill the needs of the people. This is in Behaqi, in Shu'ab al-Iman, number 7659, or volume 6, page 117. So who is this person that is being used to fulfill the needs of people? It is certainly the one offering tahajjid. This is... Really nothing surprising because our beloved messenger, he said, the Ashraf of my Ummat, the noble ones of my Ummat are the companions of the night. This is in Behaqi with a Sayyid chain of transmission. So those who Allah honors above others are those who worship him during the night and the career of the Quran, the Prophet said, the ones who recite the Quran during the night. The two rakats of optional salat before the obligatory fajr, which I mentioned a few nights back, the Prophet said, it is salat al-raghib, it is the salat which fulfills needs. But to offer it in the masjid is especially beloved to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sayyidina Abu Umama, he relates that our beloved messenger said, whoever performs wudu, 
goes to the masjid, offers two rakats before the Fajr Salah, remains seated till he offers the Fajr Salat. Then his Salat for that day is recorded amongst the Salat of the righteous and he is recorded amongst the delegation that is going to visit Ar-Rahman. Subhanallah. This is in Tabarani in his Kabir 8-218. Hafiz Dimyati in his Al-Majjar Ar-Rabi Fi Thawab Al-Amal Al-Salih The Reward for Good Deeds number 192 of the English translation. So note what's strange about this prayer. Normally the optional prayers are more rewarding at home. The two rakats according to this of the Fajr is more rewarding in the Masjid. You offer the wudu, you go to the Masjid, you offer two rakats before the Fajr, you remain seated you don't get up as a condition till the Fajr Salat, then that Salat for that day is recorded amongst the righteous and like you're going to visit Allah Ta'ala in a delegation. <laughs> Simply put, if one fulfills all the above conditions, performs wudu at home, offers a two-rakat Salat in the Masjid and remains seated until the obligatory prayer, then the virtue of one Salat graciously but our loving Lord greatly magnifies. Subhanallah. Some scholars have mentioned that this could also refer to Tahiyat al-Masjid. So you offer the two rakats sunnah at home and then you go to the masjid to offer another two rakats. Whatever the case, you've offered the two rakats in the masjid. So note again, gifts given by the, uh, our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi The Fajr prayer in congregation is especially beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu he relates that our beloved messenger said sallallahu alayhi wa he may then pass the night in sin but if he wakes up performs wudu and offers the fajr salat i.e. in congregation then all his sins between the isha and fajr salat are forgiven these prayers are the good that wipes out sins subhanallah so this is recorded in Imam Ahmad's Musnad Abu Ya'la, Bazar, Madhrib, <coughs> Al-Haytami, in Majma Az-Zawaid, Volume 1, page 297, comments upon the chain of narrators. Ayat al-Sahaba, Volume 4, page 517, of the New English Translation. So what's very interesting in this hadith is the wording. He may pass the night in sin. That's the wording of the hadith. So it is not something that the scholars have deduced. So even if you sin in the night, if you wake up, you do wudu, you offer the Fajr Salat, i.e. in congregation, all the sins between Isha and Fajr are forgiven. <laughs> and then the Prophet said, these prayers are the good that wipes out sin. So note, the Fajr has something extra that Allah Ta'ala wants to give even more. <laughs> and this is why the scholars point out that it's the only prayer which has the word Ajr within it. Ajr means reward. <laughs> right? So even in the name for that glorious prayer, there's a clue, there's something extra special about that prayer. <laughs> Amir al-Mu'mineen Sayyidina Umar, he said, Allah, I prefer performing Fajr Salat in congregation to performing Nawafil Salat throughout the night and until dawn. This is in Abdul Razak in his Al-Musannaf, Kanzul Omal, volume 4, page 243, Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 583 of the New English Translation. So picture the scene. One is a person who slept, he only gets up to offer the Fajr in congregation. Another person prayed tahajjad the entire night. He prays his fajr at home and he prays until the entry of dawn. Meaning he's offered some optional prayers as well. Umar radiyallahu said, just the fajr in congregation 
is more beloved to me. <laughs> Meaning, no tahajjid can equate to it, no matter what you get for that tahajjid, and in addition, other press. This is why in the famous report, Umar radiallahu said, I prefer attending the Fajr prayer in congregation to standing in Salat all night. <laughs> this is recorded in Imam Malik's Muwatta, Hafiz Munziri in his Tarheed, Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 583 of the New English Translation. So this is a part of the report. But the full report is there was a man and he was fond of offering tahajjit. His name was Suleiman Tabi'in Rahmatullahi. And he didn't attend the Fajr because he slept. So Umar had a list of those who didn't attend Fajr. Now he'd have yellow pages. Right? He had a list. So he went to, and the mother of that man was Sayyida Shifa, the female who was in charge of the markets. He said, where is your son? I didn't see him for Fajr. So she said, he prayed all or most of the night and he fell asleep a middle moment. Then Umar said these words. I prefer attending Fajr in congregation to standing in Salat all night. Tell him that. <laughs> Meaning, it doesn't matter what you think. So now what is the reward for paying Tahajjad all night? Bole Bali Musalman, you have to understand the value of Tahajjad to understand the Fajr prayer in congregation. So note, this is your own homework. And finally, with regards to those who lead the prayer, the Imams, a word of, of, of advice. Hafiz ibn Abd Rabbi, in his Al-Iqd Al-Farid, volume 2, page 1 in 1 of the English translation, in the book of Ruby, I on learning and good manners, it mentions. Al-A'mash, he performed the obligatory prayer in the masjid of a certain people, and their Imam prolonged the prayer. So Al-A'mash was from the Salaf, he's praying, and the Imam has offered a very long Fajr prayer. When the Imam finished, Al-A'mash said to him, don't prolong your prayer, for there may be behind you a person in need, an old man or a weak one. The Imam replied by reciting a verse in Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah 2, verse 45, Audhu Billahi Shaitan Rajim. And it is hard indeed, except for the humble in spirit. He responded, I am the messenger of the Khashi'in. Those, they do not need this from you. So let's look at this. So what was the mistake the Imam did? He was offering a long and lengthy Fajr prayer. So there must have been some weak people behind him. Because Al-A'mash, Rahmatullah he said, why have you prolonged the prayer? <coughs> because there's all this weak and there's needy people behind you. So the Imam, instead of humbling himself, like people do now, he justified it. And what did he use to justify? The worst of all things to justify in the Quran. He goes, Allah Ta'ala says, it is hard except for the khashi'in. So what was he really saying, the Imam? He was saying that these people who complain, including you, the reason you're complaining is because the Salat is hard on you. You haven't got khushu. That's what he was saying. So Al-A'mash, he didn't want to say it, but he provoked him. He goes, I am the messenger of the Khashi'in. They do not need this from you. In other words, what are you talking about? Now, what was Al-A'mash really referring to? The Prophet's hadith. The Prophet said, when you lead the prayer, lead it according to the weakest amongst you. 
the Imam looks, this is in uh, Abu Dawood authentic hadith. So here, Al-A'mash was, he said, I am fine with it. It's not hard upon me. But I am thinking of others unlike you, which is also a sign of the Khashiqin. That's what he meant. He goes, I am the messenger of the Khashi, meaning, I've, you know, Alhamdulillah, I think I've got Khushu. But I'm not like you. I'm thinking of others. And that is also a sign of the Khashi, meaning you're not one of them. Because you just think that others, it applies to others. Subhanallah, a vital lesson to those who lead others in Salah. So note again, and what's strange is people lead very long obligatory prayers. And when you watch them offer their optional prayers, it's like they're standing on hot coals. So who are you, you know, what's this prayer for that you're doing? You might as well lead long optional prayers and do an easy obligatory prayer. So note, this is not an act of piety. And also one of the companions was told off due to this. The famous companion, Sayyidina Mu'ad ibn Jabal, he read Surah Bakr <laughs> in Isha. So a man broke the prayer. You know, he's thinking, is he going to read all Bakr? He left. After the prayer finished, somebody mentioned this to Mu'ad. Mu'ad goes, he's a Munafik. The man then complained. The Prophet called, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Mu'ad. He goes, are you causing fitna, Mu'ad? He goes, and he mentioned, recite these surahs. He goes, don't read, because by yourself, offer these lengthy prayers. And that's an authentic hadith in the sunnahs. So who did the Prophet say is causing fitna? It was the Imam. And who was the Imam? The Prophet said about Mu'ad, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the hadith is in Tirmidhi, Hassan Sahih. The most learned of the halal and the haram is Mu'ad ibn Jabal. He made a mistake. The one who will be ahead of the scholars on the Day of Judgment by a stone's throwing, Imam Ahmad's Muslim, the Prophet said, he made the mistake. He goes, read short surahs. There's weak ones behind you. Now, does that mean weak ones in Iman? No. It means weak ones physically. Because if you say Iman, then every one of us will be reading, and then Surah Ikhlas in the second rakat. The weak ones mean physically. So if you notice a person sitting on a chair, an elderly gentleman who's struggling, or maybe somebody who's ill, you take that into consideration. But if you've got oliyas behind it, then knock yourself out. <laughs> right? But do we have oliyas behind us? you got a guy who's basically finding it difficult to stand up, and you're reading, you know, five pages. And, the, and that also applies to Tarawi. Some people think Tarawi is an exception. No, it's not. Tarawi should be also made easy for the... And there's definitely weak ones in Tarawi. <laughs> And yeah, you see him, you know, why did you need five pages in one rakat, right? You only need to read one ruku. So again, it's all messed up and this is not piety. And if anybody quotes that verse, like that Iman thought he was clever, he goes, it's hard except, um, except um, for those who are humble. That means you haven't understood the Quran. If you are humble, you would have made it easy. But you were humble. You made it difficult. And what's the opposite of humility? Pride. Subhanallah. To finish, Imam Ghazali, Rahmatullah, he described humility. Sheikh Hamza mentioned that Imam Ghazali, Rahmatullah, he said, the learned can be likened to a tree loaded with fruit. The more fruit, the lower the branches. So what did he mean by that? What he meant by that was, if you have an imam, 
his branches loaded with fruit are almost touching the ground. That means he's so humble. He's down to earth. Even in English you say down to earth. But when a person thinks he's an imam, he's hardly got any fruit. So he's up in the sky. And what did the Prophet Wasallam say? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, whoever lowers himself like this and the Prophet put his hands to the ground, I will raise him up like this and he raises his hands to the sky. In Ibn Majah Sayyih. And these are the imams. So who was the Prophet referring to? They're the ones who were the khashi'un. Those who are humble. They find ease for others. Subhanallah. So all I mentioned again today was a few blessed reports with regards to the glorious deed of Salah. And not an unending subject. And we ask Allah the Almighty in glories to give us the understanding and the blessings of this great deed by His great kindness and mercy. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? سبحان الله وبحمده سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك واغفر لنا ما تجيب سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون السلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والاصل الانسان لفي خصل الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات والحق والصبر والصبر